Hello and welcome to the Neil and Amy podcast. This series of episodes is called Wayfinder. Why? Because this world, the people in it and the pressures of it can jack you up and they can cause you to lose your way. Next thing you know, you're overweight, unmotivated, frustrated with the relationships around you. Your life shattered in pieces and you're watching episodes of Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer just to feel normal again. This show is about helping people find joy in the middle of challenges because life is too short to live miserable. All right. So we are today up at the crack of dawn. I don't Amy's... like the crack of anything. <laughs> well, FYI. I don't know about that. But what I would say is she definitely does not like the crack of dawn. Yeah. We're having coffee right now. And it is so early, and Amy loves early mornings. Negative, Ghost Rider. Hate early mornings. Not for me. And how long has it been this way? My whole life. life. Yeah? You and Uncle Todd. Yeah, I do not like getting up in the morning. It's... uh, (laughs) (laughs) And how about me? How am I to you? Complete opposite. Chipper, chipper, chipper. Gonna go crush your goals at four in the morning. That's right so quiet you just absorb the quietness and then you just take all that energy and just (laughs) we grew up in completely different types of worlds my dad early morning riser driven my mom pretty much the same way get up rock and roll right amy's Mm -hmm. parents late nighters sometimes they go to sleep when my parents were waking up yeah it's true and i don't know why but i am more productive I, I don't know. Somebody do some Google studies, but my creative side juices comes do you alive. Have creative juices comes alive at night. At night, I can like plan, plan, plan. In the morning, I'm just like, gosh, <laughs> stop moving, everyone. So the funny part about that is at night is typically when I'm sleeping. Maybe that's why. Why what? Because then that's my quiet time. Yeah, it is your quiet time. We'll climb into bed. I'll like turn on the movie or whatever. Typically this day and age, do not judge. What? I have to fall asleep to noise. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, this is how how a marriage works, people. (laughs) We have... If you listen to our early episodes of this of this show, we talk about how we're very similar in personality, both ENTJs, right? Entrepreneurial, intu- in, <laughs> extrovert, and entrepreneurial. Yeah. Extrovert, intuitive, thinking, and judging. Amy is much higher on the judging. Just it's kidding. not talking about <laughs> judging people, you moron. Why don't you read the description? It's judging. It's how you make your decisions. Are you emotional yeah. by your decisions or do you just like yeah, cold just hard like, facts? Hey, that's, I'm just yeah. judging the situation. That's what I'm doing. That's what it's about. So she gets so ticked. I do get ticked. <laughs> but we are the exact same personality type, which is super rare. Super, super, super rare actually to have that and actually have the marriage work because we're both commanders. Yeah. That's by personality, but we're totally different in the makeup of our commanding. That's for oh, sure. Definitely. Oh, <laughs> you start at that end. I start at this end, and we used to start commanding towards each other. Yeah, and it, it's like we used to just lob grenades both ways, and then whoever was in between us, good God, <laughs> yeah, 
you you were the target. You became the crossfire. No, that person was not the crossfire. That person was waving the white flag for us. Yeah. She's <laughs> protected by a halo from Jesus, like just <laughs> surrounding them like, no, yeah, this is going to be bad. Neil, what Amy is trying to say, I think of all the countless conversations we had with Johnny and oh Ashley. Oh my gosh. Amy, what Neil is trying to say, you guys are saying the same thing. Okay, like one quick example, <laughs> then we'll actually get to the contents of this show. One time, what was the question? We had, we had created these questions for our team and we were we were trying to like assess and help the marriages on our team like function well, which by the way, I will say sometimes Amy and I make fun of the fact that we are on separate pages, but the truth is we really aren't like we, we track pretty darn good together. We do fight a lot. And some of you are like, what the hell? Like this <laughs> is like, they track well together, but they fight a lot. Yes. We're both commanders. We do our thing. It's just how it works. But like we literally are with each other 24 seven, pretty much for 10 straight years. And it's a miracle, right? Mm -hmm. We are still fully in love like we are. And I do love this woman. But we think about things totally different. And so we were attempting to help our team get more like cohesive with like marriage <laughs> and life. And one of the questions was like, how, how good of a friend, like zero to five or something like five is like you're knocking out of the park in your friendship. And, and zero is like you aren't even freaking friends. Yeah. Was and that the question? That was the question. And so Johnny and Ashley were... Helping because, assess. Because every leader should also do what they're asking their leaders to do. Yeah. So and if you're and if the people you're following won't do that, then don't follow them. Yeah. That's your Yeah. And you need proof they're doing it. Yes. Like their actions have to back up what they actually are telling you. Yeah. Anywho, she um Ashley and Johnny said, Okay, Neil, uh Zero to five. Zero to friendship. five friendship. How is Amy on being a good friend to you? And I, I think you gave me a four. I did give you a four, and it was more like a 4.5, and I would have given you a five, but I didn't want to be that guy. Okay. No hard feelings, because whatever. So... Then the question gets asked to me, and I think I gave you a... She goose-egged me. I she gave you a zero? Me a straight I zero. thought I gave you a one. No, you gave me a give zero. You a zero. A zero. And, okay, and well, then you deserved a zero, because... <laughs> no, listen here. Because... The question was, how good of a friend? Yeah. They didn't ask how good of a business partner, you how good. Are out of freaking No, think control. about this. Think about this. How do you guys do life together? All that. Amy. A friend. What do you do with your friends, Neil? What do I do with my friends? Yeah. What we do. Oh, you just got stumped. I saw it on no, your face. You were like, Because I'm actually trying to picture that. No, a what friend, we do. A friend what plays together. Do. Yeah. We That's were we, we were working all the time. We and never played. So that was my I, playground. Okay. Right. That's why <laughs> I got the question and asked to me and I said zero. <laughs> zero. Because we didn't play. And we then worked Johnny all was the time. Like, no, 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 no. Amy, I think you're misunderstanding yeah, the question. I said no, I'm not misunderstanding the question. I'm understanding the question really well. He gets a He's 5 for being a business friend. partner. He gets a five for being a, li a life partner. He gets a five for all this stuff. But when it comes to a friend, he's a he's, zero. we never have play dates. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hey, so, did it get your attention? If you would like to have marriage counseling from Neil and Amy, <laughs> you can just go to neilandamy.com and click need help. 
And when you click it, you're going to find out (laughs) we need help too. All right, back to the podcast. So we're in a series called How to Build a House That Lasts. If you've not listened to the other two episodes in this series, I know this is fun and funny and you don't want to stop listening, but pause it, go back, listen to two episodes back where Amy and I introduced this this whole concept, then listen to the last episode, which is an episode with Jake and Ashley, was hilarious and Mm -hmm. truthful all at the same time. And today we're kind of teeing up episode three. I do think it's really important to listen to these episodes in sequence. I think it'll set a way better stage for you. Um, because quick backdrop in case you're a stubborn ass and won't actually go back and listen. Or you're like my parents and I told them like 18 million times, listen to the podcast in order, building a house that lasts part one, then building a house that lasts part two. Okay. Well, we listened to your podcast. Which one did you listen to? Uh, building a house that lasts part two. What? Come on. (laughs) Hence the stubborn ass. Sorry, mom and dad. So, because this podcast is actually truly about them. It's about their legacy. It's about what they have established. It's about the lessons that we as their children have learned and their children and maybe even their children's children have learned through their life, through their legacy, through the things that they built. We recently purchased the family home, Amy and I did, and we're in it right now recording in the office, looking out into the forest and this house again go back check out some of the episodes we need to get more pictures up um i think we missed that on the last episode we need to do that this one um very important though check it out because there's history there's legacy all these things at play we're using the metaphor of the construction and building a house but we're really talking about life and the pursuit of happiness and the trials that come your way and how you navigate that as a builder as a builder using construction, metaphors, right, parables and stories, but it's our life. And and Mm -hmm. today, again, early morning right now, Amy's favorite time of day, and we're sitting over coffee, which, by the way, is probably one of the healthiest things that Amy and I have kept as a rhythm for years and years and years. Well, that and taking showers together. We like taking showers together. We do, and we think that's the one thing that will absolutely change your marriage if you do that every single day. Yeah, you can't hide in the shower. Mm Mm-mm. And you can't run very far because you're butt naked. <laughs> and it would be really weird for everybody else. So we'll, we'll talk about that in the relationship series that's coming up. But speaking of butts, early in the morning, what we love to do is we love to talk. We love to connect. We Typically, it's like four hours after I've been awake. So it's like afternoon. It's freaking lunchtime for me. But um, I just act like it's still morning and get a cup of coffee. Can we get a, a round of applause for the overachiever in the room, please? Jeez Louise. Oh, wrong button. Yep. Oh, no, it was the right button. It was definitely the right, right button. Wait, I'm looking for it. Oh, crickets. Nope. That's oh, not yep. it. See? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think those buttons your were buttons were very accurate. Well, I had a laugh button, but the laugh button didn't yeah. actually... No, discovered. it was perfect. Okay, good. That point was made clear. Wonderful. Wonderful. Moving on. All right. So what we're going to do is I wanted to, this last week, early morning, on the reel, 
we really do try to spend our time, what we, what we say, sitting with the Spirit, spending time um, listening uh, for life direction and all of that. We have lots of teaching and training on that. Not the point. As I was sitting just this last week, just kind of listening early in the morning, Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 came up. And when it did, I was like, light bulb, this is critical to kind of inject this concept right in the middle of this podcast episode series, right? And it's around, again, this proverb. And I want to tell you what this proverb says. It says, by wisdom, you should say that right where you're at, wisdom, a house is built. So we're in a series called How to Build a House That Lasts. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, say understanding. Understanding. It is established. And by knowledge, (laughs) say knowledge. Knowledge. The rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Do you like those things, Amy? I love anything that sparkles and glistens and smells like sweet, sweet Christmas oranges and sugar plums. <laughs> Christmas oranges are yeah. not even a thing. Yeah, they are. You put cinnamon on them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to quickly break down these three, three words. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So wisdom, straight out of like the def- defined version Hebrew word, it's <clears throat> always used in a positive sense. Wisdom in scripture is always used in a positive sense. It's used to describe an entire range of human experience. It has like even the concept, Amy will love this, of military strategy in it. Prudence, which is like to be careful. It's got practical spirituality in it. And then this is the this is the most key thought. So if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, therefore all wisdom is found always in him. That's just the way it is. And there's a passage in Colossians. This isn't a preaching session. This is not what I'm trying to do, but I'm trying to set the groundwork for you. In Colossians, it says, in him, meaning Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So basically, the idea of wisdom is that it is never considered or regarded as separated from God. Wisdom's always connected to God. So by wisdom, a house is built, right? That means that there's got to be a God connection to the building of the house in order for that house to last. That is as quick as I can draw that concept. Let me go to the next one. Do you want to say anything about that? No. Or you want me to set the stage? You're on a roll. Okay, next, understanding, right? So this idea of when you don't understand what? That means you don't get it. But when you do, that means you have insight, you're intelligent, you're able to use discretion or like what you know, you have reasoning, you have skillfulness, and it's more like the living out or the act of actually doing what wisdom is. Mm -hmm. It's like wisdom isn't just, it's not just like knowing, but it's actually applying. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's wisdom. And so True understanding is living out wisdom. And then I'm going to give you one more, knowledge, right? So it's similar to these two other words. In fact, in a lot of different translations, they're pretty much like synonymous or synonyms. But what this this word is, it's got a very, again, similar meaning. This is 
technical. Now, again, the word knowledge, it's technical know-how. It's know-how. And so if you're building a house, you got to know how, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You got to know how to build the house. You have to be able to, you know, the other thing about knowledge is it's the opposite of, of foolishness. It's the opposite of being a dummy, right? Therefore, you get books like How to Build a House for Dummies, mm -hmm. which I don't think your dad ever read because that's not a thing, right? I don't even know. Maybe there is a How to Build a House for Dummies. I'm sure there probably is. But knowledge is the opposite of being a dummy. It's the opposite of being an idiot or a fool. And it describes essentially the relationship between God and the man who truly obeys God. That's the idea of knowledge. When you have know-how, right? You've, you've been given wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You know how to bring God or the Spirit into the venture that you're setting out to do. <laughs> There's the tee up, right? If we're playing tee ball, I just set the ball on the tee. So Amy, back you've to, got a bat. Yeah, so back to what you had said, uh, we sit together in the morning. That's part of our routine. What I think where you were going with that was that we value being seekers of knowledge. So we sit together and drink our coffee and have our time where we're processing the day and also like bringing our hearts and our minds before the creator as kind of like that speak to me if you will yeah yeah straight up i just this morning did a quick plug we have a separate podcast that's just about bible talk that's it it's just bible talk super quick as quick as we can make them talks and um, that's called Triple Effect, T-R-I-P-L-E-F-E-C-T, Triple Effect Podcast, and it's just quick Bible talks. And so that's sharing those words that we catch when we feel like we need to share them. Um, yeah, critical, critical, <laughs> critical. But bringing that, were you going somewhere with that? Well, no, I was just bringing it back to what how you were saying the importance of, I mean, this isn't the relationship series, but talking about the the importance of putting those big what I, I call them the big rocks yeah, in the jar. And then you fill the sand, you know, life can mold around it. But if you don't put the rocks that you want in your jar, then you just have a bunch of sand and you can never fit the things you want in your jar. So if, if I look <clears throat> at tags and Robin's life and in, and, and I'm, I'm a son-in-law, even though we don't really say in-law, um, I came into the family at the age of 20. Amy was 18. And they were just about as wild as we were green in the, in ways, the ways of, of the, the world, world, said Tim McGraw. And then Amy picked me up in that red rag top. Mm -hmm. We were free of the folks hiding, hiding from, from the, the cops. cops. That's right. What about that time you got arrested? I don't remember that. That's exactly <laughs> why you got arrested. <laughs> Oh, I'm just kidding. She's never been arrested, people. No, but my nanny did get a DUI on my 21st birthday. That was awesome. Yeah. Not. Not. <laughs> Seriously, she's 80, probably two. No. She was in her 80s. She, babe, she died when she was in her 80s. I was 21. I'm. Oh, my gosh. She was in her 70s. No. Was she? She was wasted. 
She was wasted. And she she got only out of had the car. one drink of wine. Uh huh. She <laughs> sixty four hours. She was a big gulping at Slugger Saloon. So she <clears throat> gets out of. I know we're on a different tangent. She gets out of the car, and she's going back to top to to the CHP California Highway Patrol that we actually know. Yeah. And when she's walking back to talk to him. She forgot to put the emergency brake on. She was parked on a hill and the car rolled backwards and broke the. Like some. Was it the light or this little speaker thing? I can't remember what what part of the car broke off, but there was definitely part of the car that broke off. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yep. That was super fun. Anyways, so we were saying that or I was saying, looking at or looking on the life of Tag and Robin, being young and and marrying into the family, I will absolutely hands down say that the top thing that Tag and Robin stood for and imperfectly, I'll say it again, imperfectly stood for, we can kind of tee that up for everybody momentarily, is, is faith. Faith in the midst of family, right? So you've got you got a big F right there. Faith, family, right? So building a house that lasts, it does not, and this is what I'm just gonna lob it like this is this is not something that any person, any couple will ever, ever, ever do perfectly. But tag and robin. as imperfectly as they did, but with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, planted faith in the midst of the family. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, they're totally right. So bring it, Amy. Wake wake it up here. Where are you with this? If you look back at your imperfect, perfect childhood, because I do look at your family, and I've said this, and I will go on record again saying it, I do not know of a better set of parents than your parents i don't Mm -hmm. because of who they are because of the way that they do what they do and they're They're awesome fighters they don't give up Mm -mm. faith family and fighting triple f's totally talk about it well you're right about um when you grow up and you're taught certain things, you kind of assume that everybody's being taught the same thing. I mean, just at least that's how I grew up. I used to think that all the values and the thoughts and how you live your life would, it's kind of the same around the board. It's like everybody has the how-to book on how to build a family. Yeah. And as an adult now and having three, well, Bradley's almost not a teenager anymore. She's going to be 20 soon. Um, I look at my childhood differently now because it takes effort and it takes work to lead children. You can boss children around all day long. You can tell them what they are, what they're not. You can demand that they obey your rules. You can do all these things. But I don't think any parent should really want to do that. They should want to lead their children. Mm-hmm. And there's a different art that comes with leading your children as opposed to just, I'm the parent and this is what I said and by God, you're going to do it. And <clears throat> I think that my mom and dad together collectively were able to lead us 
down a road where it, it was almost like it was our idea to... Now, don't get me wrong. There were certain things that was like, why do we have to do it like that? Like, it didn't make sense as a kid. Like, that's stupid. Why do we have to do that? But it doesn't matter because in the long run, that you know, the end game, we're all screw-ups. We all think that we, we value something. You know, it could be washing the cars on Saturdays. That's what we do. Why? I would go to my Uncle Jack and Aunt Rochelle's house, and it was every Saturday... Uncle Jack would wash the car, but whatever Uncle Jack was doing, we all had to do. So it was like, okay, why do we have to wash the car every Saturday? We want to sleep in and watch TV. Like this isn't making any sense. It doesn't, it didn't matter. Now looking back, it's like, cause he's the boss and that's what he said. So we just did it. We washed the cars every Saturday. Mm -hmm. But I think as a kid, if you don't get hung up on that stuff and you're just kind of like going with the punches and you're not trying to rebel against everything, you can learn a lot by just observing what your parents are doing. Yep. You can learn a lot by watching your friend's parents, what they're doing and kind of absorb, Oh, some, some stuff's happening intentionally and some of it's just happening because they're not paying attention. But either way, I think growing up, my parents did very well of leading us kids where it was almost that invitation challenge kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And like, or you could also say it like challenge and cheerlead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there was just certain things that you didn't do. Like I remember you, we never said we were bored. And in fact, actually there was one time I was like, I'm mad. So I'm going to say I'm bored. Cause I know I'm going to get a rise out of my parents. And I would, I only did it one time. I was probably, I don't know, 13, 14. And, I wanted to go do something and they were like, no, we're not doing that. And I'm like, this is dumb. I'm bored. And my dad said, Oh, you're bored. Oh, okay. Well, that's good because we got a lot of work to do around here. So, um, go down in the shop, get the rods, put the welding helmet on. I'll be down there in a minute, get it adjusted, fit your head. Okay. Literally he, he had me welding beads, which is when you, Welding meaning working with metal for those of you. Yeah, who no, don't. and fire. <laughs> You're you have a an actual I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the welding gun. And then you have the rod on the end of it, which is metal, heats it up, hot. It arcs, it creates yes. a spark and and then you melts just it. you kinda like paint this what metal they call line. a bead. And yeah, and so he just had me doing that back and forth, trying to get the smoothest beads, which were crap. It takes art. By the way, Tex, like a knows master welder as far as we're concerned. Or appreciates a good weld knows that it's it's an art. It's not. So I'm just out there trying to do beads. And that was the last time I said I was bored. Not the same kind of beads <clears throat> that most girls work with either. No. But the point is, is that getting people to follow you in a family uh when you're building a house, if you have all these different people who are contributing to forming the house, forming the structure, finishing it, you have to lead well. And so I don't think people give that as much, uh, what's the word, like high esteem Mm -hmm. that they should, because if you can lead your family, man, it like, it's, you can create such a bond with your kids Mm -hmm. that you go from being the, 
you know, the top of the pyramid, I'm the parent to, to now you're like little comrades and everybody's having fun together. And Mm -hmm. it's not this dictatorship of parenting. It's more of like, yeah, I'm down the road way farther than you are, but that's okay. I can be right here with you wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably my, my favorite thing about my parents is the time that it took for them to try to figure out, cause you don't get a how to book and of how to do that. Mm-hmm. You have to figure it out yourself. Like, and their parents didn't model that for them. So it wasn't like they had this, their childhoods were, and I don't think <clears throat> I'm not going to speak for them about their childhoods, but I don't think they were like given this book that says like, this is how you lead your family. They, they just had to do it by sheer diving in full force. And when you got five kids with five completely different personalities, Mm -hmm. there's not one of my siblings that is alike. Mm -hmm. Thank God there's two peacemakers because between me, Jake, and Abby, there's... (laughs) As stout as this bad boy is, it would not be standing right now. But another thing I really, really love about how my parents modeled like building was the idea of a team Mm -hmm. and I didn't play sports. You played sports. Everybody gives me grief because I'm not the athlete, but apparently you can get the team spirit in other things in sports, Neil. Oh, that's a novel concept. Yeah. Who knew? Jeez. And in building a family, building a house when you have like a team and you have a team spirit and go go rah rah going on Mm -hmm. it makes your days so much more enjoyable Mm -hmm. yep so much more let's i was my next question for you is going to be the practical side of that of faith how how did it practically play out and well life has a way of handing you Shit sandwiches, if you will. Yeah, those are super tasty. And how... I bet your mom's going to be so proud of hearing you say about shit sandwiches. Oh Well, my Papa Cliff would love it. Yeah. He used to make me shit on a shingle for Ooh. breakfast. Mom, when you hear this, will you please just text the word <laughs> shit to me? Hashtag shit. Um, <clears throat> Not funny, I know. Life has a way of handing you some stuff. And I think that, gosh, if you responded how you, your flesh would want to respond to all that stuff, this world would be like a mess. Thank God there's people who actually rein their emotions in. Self-control. And have a little self-control and think about it and process it differently. But my parents, I don't know why, other than the fact that they at a, a younger age found the Lord and I think they probably were going through some things and they saw the value of having a relationship with the creator and what he gave to them in the form of love, joy, peace, patience. And I think that when you, you ha- haven't had those fruits in your life and then you, you find those fruits, it, it's so valuable. You don't want to let go of that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I was raised, introduced to all those, the fruits of the spirit. From the so beginning from of the beginning life. of my life. So 
I can't say what it was like, like without those, because my parents were good at making sure that love and joy and peace and patience were all in our upbringing. But imperfectly. I want to keep on that because there's so many people that are listening to this that are like, dude, I'm never going to live up to this. It's not about Mm -mm. the mess up, though. It's about the intention and how quick you can get back on the road once you have messed up. Boom. And so, yeah, my mom and dad imperfectly, sometimes they'd freak out and then they would come back and they'd go, gosh, sorry, I handled it like that. I really shouldn't have handled it like this. This is how I should have handled it. And they modeled that. So... Mm forgiveness and saying you're sorry was common as in our childhood. And we were also asked to do that when we freak would freak out or we didn't handle something properly. Okay, Amy, what are you going to do about that? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, that's not an acceptable way to apologize. An acceptable way. This was very common in our childhood. An acceptable way to apologize is to say what you did, own what you did. So you can't just say, sorry, Neil, you have to say, I'm sorry, Neil, that I let my emotions get out of hand. I'm also sorry that I called you a fat ass. <laughs> I'm also sorry that I looked you up and down and completely tried to make you feel insignificant. Will you please forgive me? When we were kids, we used to like, we were not allowed to say shut up for whatever reason. Like that was like, I mean, I guess it's probably a good thing not to say shut up, but, <laughs> yeah. but for whatever reason, our parents didn't let us say shut up, you know, to each other. And so there'd be times where Chad or Tasha or Cody or I, we'd be like, we'd say shut up. And then, and then <laughs> we would have to say, I'm sorry for saying shut up. And so the yeah. way that we would say it is we would, I would like look at Cody and I would go, I'm sorry for saying shut, shut up, up, Cody. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. You get the point. Totally. So another way that uh, going back to like the actual faith aspect and the shit sandwich is that you're given a choice. We talked to your sister about this yesterday because our niece just got a tattoo on her palm that says faith so that she chooses faith over fear is why she got it. The the representation of faith in one hand, fear in another. Yeah, but she didn't put the fear on the other hand it's just good girl maddie faith on her right hand um you we do get to make that decision that's god isn't up here going like little puppet strings like messing with us he's like here you go here's your life you choose it and yeah you're gonna have consequences and you're not always gonna get a bailout Mm -hmm. so I going back to faith when and when i when i said life gives you shit sandwiches is what i meant by that is Things happen. They can be small things. They can be things like your dog gets ran over to the loss of a loved one to, you know, losing your job to uh, my mom being told when she's pregnant with my brother Jesse that she has a tumor in her uterus that's, you know, over double the size of the baby and it's going to kill the baby and that they wanted to take the baby and the tumor out at the same time. And my mom said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I remember specifically at a young age, her saying, I'm not doing that. Like my God is big enough that if he wants this baby to live, he will take care of the tumor. And yeah, some people might turn off right now. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, God, we're just going to put all of our thing our hands in, 
in the air and mystical, whatever. It doesn't matter. Don't judge other people for what they do. Mm. You worry about your own life. That's right. But the conviction, everybody has their own conviction. And the conviction that my mom was leading with was, no, this doesn't seem right. Mm. This doesn't line up. This isn't what I believe to be true. And because she had that confidence, that's where the faith comes in. That's where the healing comes in. Mm -hmm. And Jesse is completely perfect in the form of his flesh and his mind and his body and his spirit. He's not lacking anything. The tumor did not kill him. Mm -hmm. And my mom lived. So when you're a kid and you get to see your parents go through these things and how they handle these things, it's easier to adopt them when they're positive. It's easier to adopt them and make them your own. Mm -hmm. So... When I'm growing up and I see, oh, you know, my dad was Bakersfield City. He retired from Bakersfield City Fire. And I remember getting a phone call one day, or my mom got a phone call. And they said, you, uh, we're going to have to quarantine your, your husband. Um, you cannot see him. I can't give you the specifics, but he has been exposed to HIV and we're 99% sure that the blood of the person he was working on got in Tag's eyes. And so we're going to try to figure out how to treat him and all this stuff. And this was like, I would think I was probably 10 at the time. I don't know if you guys remember, but when HIV came out, it was, it was it's like, like COVID corona. right now. Yeah. It was like, we're all getting death it. Death sentence. Watch everyone out. gets HIV. If you get HIV, if you get spit from a nature. Surprised they didn't six feet apart the world. Oh then. my gosh. Yeah. Lame. So crazy. Um, so we had to walk through that. And I remember my mom bawling. They, for whatever reason, they didn't even let my dad talk to my mom because this is before cell phones even existed. Because um, he was like in this room and whatever. And I remember it was a Sunday morning and I remember my mom said, okay, um, well, we're going to pray. And she, it, she got us ready for church and we went to church and we prayed our hearts out and we, my mom said, no, this isn't, this isn't how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. This is not the way my family is going to end. And that confidence that she had inside of her was so contagious that us kids were like, no. And I remember just having my head down and saying, no, my dad does not have HIV. And lo and behold, he didn't. And who knows how it would have panned out if my mom would have probably done what I would have done and just been like hysterical. And then we're skipping church today, kids. I don't even want to deal with talking to people right now. Mm -hmm. But she didn't. And anyone can dissect anything and say this is that and that is this. But again, everybody has their own stories to tell. Mm -hmm. So no judgment here. But the faith that what I'm seeing looks like this but I know it's not true. Mm -hmm. That's not the truth because the promise that I believe and she would find promises in the Bible, she would speak them over us as a family. This is what my God says. Mm -hmm. 
And I think if we actually looked back at the examples that are in the Bible, there's something to say about the people that have the confidence. And, and the faith is not so huge. I mean, there's even a scripture that says if you have the, the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. Not really saying to move a mountain, but the idea is that... Whatever stands in the wh- way. Whatever's yeah. trying to block it. Yeah, if you can push through that, acknowledging that we're just human, this is flesh, flesh fades, but that there really is a creator who actually cares and wants you to have a good life. He wants you to have good relationships. He wants you to be healthy. He wants all these good things for you. Anything that's good and perfect is from above is what it says. Mm -hmm. And so if you could like own that, you could just, nothing can stop you. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the people that, well, I'll just say this. The God I serve chose misfits to lead movements. He didn't pick the high and mighty. He didn't pick the richest man or woman. He didn't pick the ones with the pure bloodline. It was like you, you little boy who stutter, who can't finish a sentence without mumbling your words, you're going to lead the people out of Egypt. You're going to be my lead spokesman. Yeah. Hey, you little shepherd boy over there making sandwiches for your big buff brothers. Yep, you're going to lead the country. And... And be the greatest king that this world has ever known. Right. When you look at that, And then you apply that to your own life and you go, oh, huh, maybe I can do something. Maybe I can show my kids that a little bit of faith can move mountains literally in your life, the mountains in your life, the tumor, the HIV positive, the test, the da-da-da-da-da, it goes on and on and on. But what remains in the middle of that storm, if you have your priorities right, and if you if you do have your, if your heart is, we'll say first things first. First maybe. things first, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your heart is open to the fact that there is something greater here than just us. You you get to experience that love and that joy and that pace or peace and patience and all of that kind of stuff in the middle of that. And as a kid, you got to imagine raising five kids on a fire department salary. Your mom had to like, she, I mean, your dad made great money compared to many, many, many people in this world, but, but no, he didn't because when my dad got the job, mm-hmm. my dad used to weld offshore. And when he took the job, he took a pay cut by a lot. Right. And that, he was get he was making six hundred dollars every two weeks, mm-hmm. and he's got a huge family, and he's we, got a huge dream, and a huge dream. But he didn't let that stop him. Mm-hmm. And how we say like the money in the bank 
don't let your dreams be defined by the money in your bank. Mm -hmm. Don't let the dreams be defined by who's on your team right now. Don't let, because if you did, my dad would have never left. He would have never had the courage to set out to build. No. Yeah. Building a house. I've heard people say too, that there's two things that, the the top two of divorce for a fan or for a husband and wife is like the death of a child and going through some kind of construction yeah. project together. <laughs> and I'm, I was always like, I don't even understand that. Like that is so bizarre to me because it was so normal as a child. Mm-hmm. Like that's fun. I don't even get it as an adult. There's so the reason it is, it's like that is there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. There's so much, you thought it was going to cost this much and it's going to cost this much. You thought it had a huge septic tank and had a 50 gallon drum. You thought it had, you know, it's like, there's so much to play in so many decisions that have to be made quickly and so many different people that you're kind of dealing with from the lumber yard. And I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but life I don't know I wouldn't have wanted my child any my childhood any different Mm -hmm. and I tell you that all the time um I'd go back and do it again not because it was a walk in the park But because I only absorbed a portion of what my mom and dad were trying to lead us through. If I went back and did it again, I think I'd absorb more and I'd probably be a better parent for it. Love's a crazy thing because when you know you have love, you can work through anything. And it's no coincidence that love is the first fruit that's talked about. Love is scripture that everyone quotes at their wedding. Love is kind. Love is patient. And love gives us the power to push through anything. Your mom and dad put in the foyer entry of the house on the floor. Mm-hmm. The greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. I think for our listeners, it could be generic, but. I think a question that we could ask is, how are you loving? How are you receiving love? Are you leading with love? Are you leading with dictatorship? Are you too proud to show what 
many people would call a weak side, but it's not a weak side. It's a raw side. It's how how do you deal with turbulence? Is it cold or is it warm? You know, when the plane looks like it's going down, are you screaming frantically? Or are you grabbing the hand of the person next to you? And the hope is, is that there are days where I'm screaming when there's turbulence inside. I'm just like, this has got to stop. But the cool part is, is like, we get a new chance every day. The sun goes down, the sun comes up. And here's our chance again. And back to my childhood, you got to go say you're sorry to some people. Go say you're sorry. Tell them what you're sorry for. And then get a new day. Because life is way too short, like we say, to live miserable. Life is way too short to carry burdens that your creator does not want you to carry. If our creator can forgive us of all things... You know, the <laughs> the misfits that he chose, some were murderers, some were uh, not the greatest of people, but love impacted their life and changed them, and they were better for it, and they contributed back to sharing that love with the world. So don't give up. And if your family's a mess right now, it's not time to bail. It's time to hunker down. It's time to show your raw side, your real side. Your family will forgive you for your mistakes if you, if you handle it with love and care. and Fight for what is actually worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about your mom, you know, I've been freaking sobbing my eyes out over here this entire time. That's why I'm, I'm, I mean, it wasn't mine to say, but when we talk a lot about how your dad jumped out and started building, um, when he did and he's a man's man, like he sees a hill, takes a hill, leads his family like a man but your mom she's ferocious and she gave up everything that she, she loved to get on my dad's dream wagon yep and, and and the term ferocious is probably not the most endearing term for a woman to hear oh I like it yeah I'm sure you do <laughs> <laughs> but I say that in the most endearing way. She, like Amy just described, is a fighter. And you, when you want to live life by faith, you have to know how to fight. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to fight, your faith is going to fail. Mm -hmm. And 
I just remember, and I could tell you many, many times, the intensity that would come from your mom's eyes. Mm -hmm. I have a very similar trait. We call them scary eyes. And my kids would say it and of me, and I would say it of her. And when I see it, I'm like, that's business right there. Game time. Game time. And she is down to take the hill. Mm -hmm. And she'll die on the field of faith. No one taught her that either. They live in a super cool place now, but mom didn't want to go, really. She didn't want to come here. Mm-mm. When my dad decided to move us up here to the Kern River Valley, my mom loved her house in Bakersfield. She had a really pretty ranch style house on an acre in old Bakersfield and she loved it. She had her Mercedes Benz and her little kids with matching outfits and Mm -hmm. landscaped yard and nice carpet that you spilled something horrible (laughs) on. She had no need to go Live in a trailer and build a basement and have plastic on the windows. That was not my mom. Mm -mm. But hard-working woman following a hard-working man. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to go. That's the point I was trying to say. She didn't, like, year-ish, two years ago when they were making these plans to go to a new land, she didn't want to go. And even still, like, there are times that she'll call and she'll cry and she misses and she you know, doesn't necessarily like all the ways that things have turned out, but she's living, truly living her life by faith, following a man who's doing the same. Mm -hmm. And that is how you build a house that lasts. That is how you teach your family what matters most and you can do that imperfectly mm-hmm. what's that um remember the little kid like sunday school song it was like something about and the rains came down oh my gosh that's so funny i was just thinking about one. how does it start the rain came down and the floods went up the rain came down and the floods went up your mom would yeah, she actually the taught rain me this. came down Went up. But the house on the rock, rock stands still. Or stood still or stands firm. Oh. I, I'm not sure which one it is, but I always said stands firm. Build your house that way. Mm-hmm. Your parents have done that and they've passed that on to five kids. Mm-hmm. Who have passed that on to how many grandkids? Like, I don't know. I can't count them all, but I think there's like 17 or something. Yeah. So that was an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, we should get Amy up early one. in the morning more often. Jeez, she puts out some decent product this early. Oh my gosh. I just want to say one more thing to our listeners before we sign off. If you find yourself not knowing heads or tails of your situation in your family, 
and maybe you have screwed up enough that your family doesn't want to be led by you. I would encourage you to find someone. How do I say it? Like, I'm going to use a metaphor. No, you won't. Yeah. Okay. In a pride of lions, that's what they call lions that travel together. By the way, Amy's maiden name is Lions. Yeah. And my dad always called us kids Puma's Pride. Um, in a pride of lions, they all have roles. Like the main, turn around if you're going to keep crying because you're going to make me cry. I'm sorry. The women actually hunt in a pride of lions. I don't know if you knew that either. I do. You freaking remind me all the time. <laughs> when you want to get a job done, you have to make sure you have the right people on your team. And if the pride of lions is going out to hunt for the day to bring back to keep the pride alive with food... The lioness doesn't go out and hunt with the laughing hyenas. The lioness doesn't go out and hunt with the giraffes. Get where I'm going with this? Oh, I get it. So if your family's not in the place that it needs to be, you first need to get yourself right. You can't demand that everyone else is going to have all this stuff now that you've had your awakening moment because you haven't modeled that. So you're going to have to get build some trust back. The fastest way to build some trust back is by letting them see your actions if your actions really, truly are pure and for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. They'll sniff you out if you're a fake. Yep. So don't fake it. But you better get a team that can help you hunt for the things that you need. And in this particular illustration, if you need help in your life, that's like hunting. You have to seek it. it. you have to be a warrior. You have to find what you need. You don't need the food, but you need whatever it is that you need. You need to find a pack, a pride that can help you hunt for what you need. So if you need to go get a track partner that knows how to hunt for the things you know how, that's another thing. Only follow people who you admire their aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. Don't follow somebody that's telling you all the right stuff, but he's sleeping on the couch. Don't follow the the I'll take wife. marriage advice from the person who's been yeah. annihilated in 12 different relationships. Right. So make pick your pride carefully. Learn from them. Take that do that hunting experience with them and find what you need. But when you bring it back, to your family if your family's broken right now or I'm speaking specifically your immediate family I'm not talking about trying to fix all the long lost family members out there I'm just talking about your immediate family your wife your kids your husband it's super important that respect is like the foundation of a family and I didn't talk about that earlier but my mom and dad respected us kids. They, tr- they treated us like we were adults, even at a young age. They respected our 
opinions. opinions. They respected our thought process. It didn't mean that we got to do what we wanted or whatever we said was right. It wasn't like, oh, Amy said this. So yeah, that's what it is. That's not what I mean. But they, they gave us a seat at the table to talk about. We were allowed to tell them what, how we felt about something. I think that's huge. And I don't think that this world really allows anybody to do that. I mean, nowadays you get on Facebook, you say your opinion and you have like all these haters coming at you and trying to belittle you. And But at the core of a family, discussion and that's a form of showing love. So back to what I was saying, find ways to show love, not just Valentine's Day and deliver having somebody deliver roses to your spouse at work or whatever it is actual real life scenarios that you can show love and there are, are resources that you can use to help people find like even your love languages there's a book called the five love languages that's a great read um it's also a great read for trying to figure out how to communicate with your children because your children show and receive love a certain way and if you can find out what their love language is, you have a quicker way to win their heart, which means you have a quicker way to have them on your team, on your team. Mm -hmm. It's good. Good stuff right there. Hey, we got one more. I got one more thing to tell you after all these months of working on a book called Wayfinder, we have a launch of this this week. You can, jump into this is a brand new launch it's happening on wednesday it's the find your call community it's a private group on facebook and in that group you just search find your call community on facebook you put in the information that's there we're going to give you the first part of the wayfinder book which is like 12 or so chapters for free where you can listen to the rough cut audio of this. And again, you search find your call community. It's a group, private group for broken believers who are looking to find their way. And um, from there, if you're, if you're digging it, you're into what's going on with that. You can also uh, purchase the remaining portion of the audiobook if you would like. Um, some of you have already purchased that in the pre-release. You'll get the full audiobook if you've already done so this coming Wednesday. So exciting stuff going on. Um, this series, How to Build a House That Lasts, is deep within our hearts, and we're super grateful that you have listened. We do um, request that you get, the, if you think this is going to help somebody, um, get the word out, share it comment, do the things that you got to do, even rate this show on whatever podcast platform. All of that stuff helps boost the, the seeing for um, people to actually get it in their ears so that their lives can be changed. Because our goal is to help people find their call, make life count, because life is meant to be enjoyed and it is too short. To live miserable. Too short, kind of like Tupac. Back in the day, don't, yeah, too short mm -hmm. was one of my favorite. Life is too short to, to live, live miserable. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Adios for now.